Studios, we have an officer basically around the neck area. To These two retired Vegas cops now podcast hosts. They don't have ID, they can't get into a hotel room. To, to get them the help they need, especially if someone even gets arrested. A lot of people don't know how the justice system works. But I want someone to actually know them and, and know that it's... Hey everybody, this is David Kohlmeyer, The Problem Solver. Thank you so much for joining us. As usual, every single week, Thursdays, 6 p.m., we go live at Sticky Paws Studio near 215 and Rainbow, talking about different problems, bringing on different experts, and sharing some good information. Hopefully, we can learn something every single week when we bring on some great people, have some great conversation today. Uh, it's not the best topic, but it's definitely a problem, which is basically we have some people here we're going to be talking about uh, funeral homes and death in general and maybe a little bit of the pandemic and what took place you know, in the past uh, during COVID and stuff like that. So today um, I have, uh, and I really do appreciate your time, I have Kenneth Ceballos, which is the founder of La Eternity Dad. Thank you so much, Kenneth, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We also have Nancy Valeria, who's the uh, Vice President of Operations for La Eternity Dad. Hello. So thanks again. Like I said, I know, you know when I, I met you guys earlier today and every single week we need to bring on different people, and, uh, you know, even though it's called the problem solver, we're trying to solve different problems. But, you know, there's a lot of different things that come from different topics. And I was like, I've never had someone that basically owned a funeral home and dealing with that, which has to be difficult. You know, we see different movies, you mm-hmm. know, with people that have owned funeral homes or did, you know, worked on people's bodies. There's and a lot of good know. movies out there. <laughs> a lot of movies out there in general. So, so first of all, um, Kenneth, question for you. Like, how did you get involved? So, La Eternity Dad is a funeral home, and it's basically, it's specifically for Spanish So, um, I have 18 years in the experience. Okay. My dad did it for 42 years before he passed away. Amazing. Um, amazing that he died or amazing that he taught me? Not to mess with you. Oh. <laughs> so, either way, he's taught me for 40, 42 years. I was that kid that was always around dead people. I guess you could say it that way. And, um, you know, like they say, you hang around with somebody so long, you're going to end up doing it. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, I was proud to say in 2014, I opened the first Latino funeral home called Casa de Paz Funeral Home on Charleston and Mira on the east side. And then I would say two years ago, I developed the largest Hispanic funeral home called La Ternidad Funeral Home. Once my dad passed away, I told him, hey, you know what? I want to open the largest. I want to open many and I want to open for our culture. And so that's what I end up doing. And so now I'm proud to say we're the only family and Hispanic family that owns the funeral home here in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's usually owned by corporate America, but nevertheless, uh, we're locally owned. What happened to the two other places? Uh, my family's funeral home, we're still active. We're still there. Uh, it's been there almost 10 years already. Um, so next year will be 10 years. Should you actively still run it? So I run the first one for about seven years. Then I left it to my brother to, for him to run it. And then I wanted to build my own because this was more of a family one, the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I opened it. I came when I was 24, 25 years old. And so now that I'm 37 and all the knowledge and experience that I built through that, now I said, you know what, mom, dad, I could do it on my own and let me go build one. And that's exactly what I did. So I'm 100% founder and CEO of La Ternidad Funeral Home. And then I, I could say I have a relationship in a, in a family relationship of Casa de Paz. Interesting. So it's almost, it's almost like a network kind a of family it, network of yeah, funeral uh, homes, right? Yeah, yeah, sort of. You know, we're covering, okay. we're covering those two ends right now. Okay. 
Um, and so Nancy's the vice president of operations. How, first, I, you know, I was questioning you know, where you guys, how you guys know each other. Seems like there's a story. How, um, Nancy, did you tell us, tell us the story? Well, tell us where, where, where you're originally from. I'm actually from Mexico. Okay. And I met him because he did my mom's funeral home. I'm sorry, my, my mom's funeral service. Okay. Back in 2014. Okay. So that's kind of how we met. Yes. Okay. So I uh, didn't know her then. Uh, yeah. We were in different journeys in our lives. And so in 2014, I didn't realize when she told me, hey, where do you go get a haircut? I'm like, oh, I'm on the east side. And she goes, I'm like, my family's funeral home there. He goes, she goes, that's where my mom was. Like, we had the service and then cremated. I'm like, no way, I got to see a death certificate. And so ironically, it was, it was her mom. And then at that time, I was my only employee there. So I must that 100% did her mom's funeral service because we didn't have any employee for after mm -hmm. a year and a half. Mm -hmm. So how did you get involved, even though, like, you know, of course, it's not the prettiest topic to talk about, even though things happen. How did you get involved in being involved in the business? Well, it was actually because we were, well, he was going to help me do a marketing company. And then from there, he was, we, I started doing his marketing. And then we just kind of started getting more into the whole funeral stuff. Well, I did. And it was kind of, you know, I was supposed to do real estate. <laughs> so I went the complete opposite way. But honestly, it's really beautiful. Like, I don't regret it. It's just kind of an, like an everyday process that I didn't ever see myself doing that. And then mm -hmm. now that I'm there, it's actually, you know, you get to experience all these emotions with everybody else. But I think personally, firsthand, by also knowing what it feels like to lose somebody so close, it. It also adds like a different, you know, like you can connect with those people when you're there and doing it with them. Don't you find it hard basically to kind of always be around death? Even when I was a police officer and I would go to someone's home, whether it was a death or a suicide, I guess I became a little bit, um, what's the word, uh, like desensitized. Like I, you know, I remember seeing like a juvenile hanging, suicide, stuff like that. And I kind of felt like it was just like a movie, like it wasn't real, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I always kind of stayed away, I guess, but... Um, I guess more desensitized, but don't you feel like when you deal with it every day, you know what? it becomes a lot? I, I got to say, well, I mean, we have different experiences for yeah. sure because I'm, I could say I'm a little bit more, I've been around it all my life. I know Nancy just came on board a year, year and a half. So the process is there. So everything was fresh for her. I don't know if you want to explain your experience and I explain mine. I mean, honestly, I've cried with families myself. So it's sometimes, you know, like when... Um, a mom loses her husband and like there's the two little kids that I could relate because I'm a mother myself so it just it's still kind of hard but you eventually get a little bit more used to it which you know and at the beginning I was like oh I'm not gonna touch anybody and then in the end it was just kind of like oh like you kind of bond. You make a, yeah you make a bond like mm -hmm. it's not I don't know I used to be scared because of all these scary movies and stuff and then like once you're in it in an everyday thing it just kind of becomes more normal and I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's more of... But it is every day, right? It's like yeah. one or two a day, no? Or so what would you say the average is, one a day? I want to say... That's a lot. Every funeral home is different here in Vegas. Okay. So I'm just going to talk from numbers of when it comes to my family's funeral home. You could say they're averaging about 400 a year. Um, other funeral homes do 100, uh, 100 a month. Uh, some funeral homes do 1,000 in six months. Mm -hmm. Some funeral homes do 10,000 in one year. So it's literally every day, yes. Um, here in Las Vegas, it's, uh, you know, I used to assist the coroner's office too with corner uh, funeral home rotation. And so when you say, when, you know, you've seen stuff, I've also picking up 
a lot of people where they pass away if it's, it's homicide suicide if somebody jumps off a building if you know we pick them up however they landed unfortunately and so yeah it gives you a different perspective for life uh nancy knows me i'm like full of life full of energy because you just never know when's your time like you know i tell people death is not like a like it's not a luxury you know it's gonna happen to you mm -hmm. you know it's like we just don't know when you know i had an interesting situation recently in regards to a funeral home and a situation so my day job basically you know when i'm solving people's problems getting phone calls 24 hours a day you know different people call for different issues and i normally more of a referrals uh, referral service you know or source as well to basically refer people like if someone actually asked me for like a funeral home or now that I know you guys, right, you like to me, you're part of the, I'm going to call the Problem Solver Network Thank you. of people that I know that I'd say, hey, can you help somebody out? I'm always trying to, you know, build relationships, help people at the same time, but also try to get people business, um, which is nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times when people need favors, that's where you can call in a favor, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was interesting. I really didn't have anybody that I would say in the funeral, the funeral business in regards to the network, but we had someone, it was someone that I knew that basically uh, passed away. It was a car accident. It was a hit and run, stolen car. And the guy was like 23 years old. He dies, and the person took off in the car, was stolen. Guy gets away. So when I found out about it, someone says, maybe you could do something. I've always been really big with the Problem Solver Show, giving reward money. So I work with uh, Samurai and Hadari with the Hadari Law Group. Okay. And I said, listen, why don't we give reward money? I asked him to basically put up the reward money. So look, you only have to pay if we actually catch the guy. And we said, let's do a $10,000 reward if we can find the person that basically you know, hit this person, and killed the person, and run. And I said, look, there may be a slim chance. You don't know, but you may have to pay the reward. Mm -hmm. But you do, you're basically providing justice for this person. It's not even a client of the firm. It was just someone that I knew. So he kind of stepped up to the game and said, you know what? I'll do the $10,000 reward. We did a news release. We got in the media. Long story short, um, someone called Crime Stoppers, gave the tip. They overheard someone at a video poker machine saying that they did a hit and run, and they left the scene. Maybe they were laughing about it. The guy happened to be in jail at the time for domestic battery. Wow. The cops go there. They interview him. He admits, yes, I was involved in the hit and run and that he was charged with um, hit-and-run felony. At the end of the all, um, he does go to jail, maybe four or five years. Um, $10,000 was given to this tipster, and uh, we got a lot of accolades in regards to doing it. And again, it wasn't even a client of the firm. Yeah. It was just basically me being in this retired cop trying to help people. And then getting with an attorney that I work with, again, Samurai Hadari, to basically help out, so he did it. But what was really interesting, the woman really didn't have any money. And she lost her job. She was doing mortgages with, you know, kind of turmoil with the mortgage and real estate market. And she didn't have money to bury the, the son who's 22 years old. So I asked Sam again, you know, I was like, hey, listen, now it's kind of crazy, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, it's like you're doing a good deed. You know, business mm -hmm. will come from it, but it'd be great if we could help out. Let's do a um, matching thing. Actually, John Orlando with Sticky Part Studio, we did a podcast. We did some matching. Janti, uh, who's normally my co-host, who's not here today, she gave $1,000. So some people gave money. Long story short, we saved some money up, mm -hmm. and we were going to use it for the funeral. Mm -hmm. And um, at the end, I know when you do it, this is kind of your Tell you know, me. your thing, that the funerals can range in price, right, depending upon, you know, we can talk about that. So at the end of all, I guess it was like $10,000 or some large number. But the woman didn't have numbers, so I spoke to one of these funeral homes. Mm -hmm. said, look, they don't really have money. Can you, can you do anything? So they lowered it to really, it was a cremation, and then they lowered it to, I think it was like $3,500. So it was really, really reasonable. So at the end, I said... Any money that we get, the check has to go straight to the funeral home. Mm -hmm. So we set it up. We helped. I actually went to the, you know, the, the celebration of life. It was a cremation. We went to the, and it felt awkward. I felt bad, but it was kind of completion of kind of the project it of, shows. you know, getting justice, you know, for the family member and putting that person to rest. So it was just interesting being involved in a while. Like I said, I went to the funeral home. Mm -hmm. and I was part of it. And like, I've never really experienced it where I kind of really set up 
like the purchase of this whole event, you know? Correct. But it was a sad situation. So I guess my question is, you can work with people. How does it work when a lot of people just don't have money these days? People don't save. You always see people like with science, like I'm trying to bury someone. And I mean, I'm fortunate maybe being, you know, higher middle class that I would, even I can get a loan. I know there's different loan yeah. programs out there or something that I'd be able to get it done. But a lot, how does it work for the average person that doesn't have money? So, you know, it's a very... Uh, it's, it's, it's a good question, by the way. I think uh, a lot of the stuff we like doing for our funeral home is educating our consumer, our community, right? Um, you mentioned burial, and then from a burial went to a cremation, correct? correct? Because I'm assuming the crema uh, burial was just outrageously expensive, right? Sometimes families don't know that um, you don't, uh, cemeteries are owned by corporate America here in Vegas, and majority are. Um, from there, a lot of people don't understand that they could choose, they could select a different funeral home and be buried at the same cemetery they chose because sometimes what happens in the cemetery it just say it's thirty thousand dollars for both funeral and cemetery they're two different price but sometimes you could come to a funeral home that's more cost effective so say you could do uh, a removal picking up your loved one from place of passing away embalming dressing casketing cosmetics uh, prayer cards register book four-hour visitation chapel uh use of the hearse and a casket a metal casket for like five to five thousand to fifty five hundred, and then maybe the cemetery might cost you anywhere between maybe I don't know six or seven. So you could do a whole burial, like which it's very unknown of uh, at this moment because everybody does a package bundle, right? So I'll have cemeteries sending me families because their their funeral homes is too expensive. So sometimes I try to look for I ask questions of the family. I said, you know, what type of work do you do? Do you, um, are you part of a culinary? Because culinary gives up to $10,000 as long as you're the beneficiary. If it's a victim of violent crime, they give up to $5,000. The funeral homes have to do the process of paperwork, which I want to say most locally owned funeral homes do it. Um, others don't because they're just like, hey, here's the money. Could you afford it? Yes or no? Boom. Um, I've seen that a lot because families have vocalized that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, then from there, uh, we asked like, hey, do they work in casinos? Because there's casinos that uh, do provide a funeral fund mm -hmm. for the employees that have been there too. So it's asking the questions, kind of finding out the resources, depending on consulates too. Some consulates help with financial help for the funeral costs. So there's a, there's a, quite a few resources out there, but it's not vocal. It's not out People there. People don't know about it. People don't know about it. So if you don't have an experienced funeral director or funeral arranger or license anything mm -hmm. they're not going to know what to ask mm -hmm. so, so that's what i like doing with the families we like asking them and i, I see say, what benefits this are is a b and c and Check. this is the necessity this is the luxury this is what you need this is what could help you and so on and so forth you know it's interesting the um this person may you know it was a hit and run felony they never brought up the fact that, that there is uh, the Nevada, you know, victim Victims crime. Victims crime. The question is, I will also ask, was that person that hit uh, the gentleman that passed away, uh, was he under the influence? Uh, if he is... That's I mean, he left the scene, so you don't really fully know, but so I'm that's, assuming he was. You know, and, and so, yeah, in majority, I want to say a lot of it, it's like that, unfortunately. But I hit and run felony. I mean, basically, it's a stolen car, hit and run, and yeah. leaves the scene. That's a victim. That's a victim Got of it. a crime. So I would, if I was a funeral home, I would have applied and say, hey, let's try it because okay. it's up to the victims of violent crime, whether they say yes or no, or we could help. They will need to know a lot of information. Yeah, of it, and then they'll talk to the detective. 
But to me, it's taking those steps as a funeral home to see what best could help the family. So in that case, if I was the funeral home, I would have done that application and I would have submitted <laughs> and that five plus that maybe three thirty five hundred bucks. They probably could have done something that, you know, maybe a little bit more for the family in that sense. But um, victims of violent crime, I have many accidents that do come my way too. And I have occasions where people are walking their pedestrians, the car hit him mm -hmm. and the person was under the influence. You know, so we'll apply to victims of violent crime on those situations. You know, one of the questions I have for you guys is that during, um, well, this is the question I have. When you do cremation, I mean, is there really, like, I, I understand there's a cost of maybe the land and the funeral home and just the employees and so on. But is there like a real, I mean, I don't want you to give away the type of pricing, which is kind of funny to yeah. say. But like, there's got to be like, if you're cremating a body, I mean, really, it's just a flame. Mm -hmm. But the, I guess you could say the employee, the place and so on. Isn't there really just a real soft cost? So I want to say when it comes to cremation, mm -hmm. um, there's different varieties of place, right? So there's a direct cremation, no services. They pick up your loved one, do paperwork from there. There's a cardboard box. You cremate on 15 to 1600 degrees. You get cremated. Yes, overhead and costs and all that. Um, that could be more affordable, economical. You have, I've seen funeral homes in other locations that do it for 695 and I've seen other ones that do it for 3000 but they both do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So that's, I always educate my families like, hey, find out, uh, ask questions. You're not obligated to stay at the funeral home if the body goes there. You could pick another funeral home. You could go to other places. And then when a family wants a funeral service and then a cremation, now that adds up a little bit more. You're talking about embalming, dressing, casketing, a rental casket, cremation container, temporary container, uh, four-hour visitation, chapel, so on and so forth. So then that could be a little bit more on the pricier side, but you're averaging maybe about 4,500 to 7,000 bucks, depending that mm -hmm. service. So that's where I see the price range here in Vegas. It kind of goes. But I told people, ask, Got ask it. around, call. Mm -hmm. Does it get that competitive? Like, are, are people advertising, like, you know, $99 for cremation? I mean, does it, like, what's the, no, no, does it become the, competitive? Like, they're, they're not, I'm not, they're not, because it's a little bit, like, it's a sensitive topic. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, odd if I say, hey, you know, come have our special for $9.99. It just kind of, it seems like a weird situation, right? It's, it's yeah. difficult. What, what I, what we end up doing, and we've been going to different hospice and hospitals, like, we'll give them, like, hey, if anybody comes from you guys, mm -hmm. we're going to give them a, a, a special or a deal because they came directly mm -hmm. from you guys because we have a relationship. So I could discount my services that normally come in through the door. So I know Nancy's been helping me a lot on, on all the markets marketing on that mm -hmm. Nancy how do you normally when you market like to bring in you know business to the funeral home because that's part of your job is that it just does it feel like uncomfortable you go into different hospices and different places like how does your normal week look like well I mean we work hand in hand so it's I feel like I've been learning a lot from him too so um I don't know, honestly, it's just... We get together, and so where her work week is, we look at all the hospices and, and hospitals around there. So we'll come in, we'll introduce ourselves. You'll never see a VP or an owner going to hospitals and saying, hey, we would yeah. just like to offer your, our services. And if you feel like we're a best fit for your hospice mm -hmm. or for your family, and if a family needs help, we have done before, where Nancy came up with this idea, like every so often, I don't push it out there, but if a family needs help, I'll say... Hey, let's see the costs where you're at financially. We've been to people, to we, people. Do, we do home visits. So mm -hmm. we'll go to somebody's house and we'll say, you know what? They're like, Kenneth, like I only have this. Okay, let's make it work. It's, I don't want to receive the, your deposit right now. I will take little payments on it mm -hmm. and make it work. Nobody's going to do that because everybody needs to pay it now. 
You know what's interesting? Um, do you do you find in the Hispanic community this is kind of interesting to say to you guys, but like my my family, um, they're called like Ashkenazi Jewish people, right? And they will be there's kind of like a cultural thing they like to complain and there's a word <laughs> Yiddish word called kvetch where they'll complain and whatever. So the other day, like my dad's, you know, home saying, Hey, listen, um, you know, if we pass away, he's seventy six and they're, you know, good health condition, like if we're good health that we, we you know, there's money we're gonna buy like a plot, we're gonna buy a piece of land. And I always feel like you shouldn't really talk about it. You know, like when the time comes, the time goes like it's negative energy. Now in the Persian culture, which is like my wife, the Persians, they never talk about that. They never talk about a funeral. They, you know, even if you had cancer, they don't even mm-hmm. talk about it. Like it's like almost like you just, it's not the thing that you talk about. And then how does it with the Spanish people? Like do you, the, the Spanish culture, do you, if someone's sick, do they talk about it? Do they make believe it doesn't exist? And do they buy um, you know, packages prior to death, like several years. Like my dad's seventy six, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have bought it thirty years ago. I mean, knock on wood, he's seventy six. He's healthy, and you know, hopefully, lives as long as possible. But I just think it's a, it's bad to talk about it, and b, you know, five to ten grand. Don't worry about it. If you're gonna pass away, like I'll be fine. I'll get you there. You know, like don't don't talk about it. Let's let's talk about like enjoying tomorrow, and let's talk about some positive stuff. You know yeah. how we spoke about Hispanics being taboo about it. Yeah. I think you could talk <laughs> about that. Like they just don't want to talk about it. Yeah, and honestly, I think that like being raised in a Hispanic home too, it was it was very taboo about it. Like, oh no, don't say that. Or you know, um, when you go to a funeral home, and you know it's a service and everything. Like, oh, be careful on what you do because that could be bad luck or whatever. It's just like the superstition and everything like that. That Eventually, I mean, I feel like I became more used to it now. But before, yeah, I was I was the same like your family, where it was kind of taboo for us too. So, and you know, we do have pre-arrangements. We do have okay. pre-planning. I think when the family goes through the experiences, when they want to talk about it more, uh, we never push it. We never say, "Hey, let's talk about it." You know, we we'll have workshops at our funeral home. We'll partner with other churches. Uh, we'll give educational with you know, what's why you want a pre-need. So the pre-need is basically for you want to do whatever you want in your funeral service. Like Mm -hmm. think of it as a wedding, but it's a funeral planning, but you only get one shot. So you want to, if you want to, in the Hispanic culture, if you want a a band, a certain band, they're going to be there during your, your, your funeral service. If you want a DJ, if you want to, I do my content, if you want to take a shot, if you want to have roses all over your, your, your chairs, if you want to have a balloon release, if you want to decor it, uh, we had a Green Bay Packer fan all over the funeral homes, Green Bay Packer. You know, like we want to custom make it to you because every individual is different. What's so. the craziest thing you've seen? Uh, craziest thing when I was a kid or when now? <laughs> say, uh, you know, I, I would say this, uh, paranormal activity, that movie, you know, it happened to me as a kid growing up. Uh, things have moved and I have moved around. But as I grow older, I'll say the craziest thing is, um, you know, I'll see families, not craziest, but I want to say there's been like family dynamics that is just hard to understand. They fight uh, during the process. Uh, maybe families not being so honest and saying, hey, that's my husband. But guess what? We were never married. Mm-hmm. But I told you that and I was about to cremate somebody because you lied to me. Right. And, and we'll find out information like that. But, um, you know, as in deaths, what happened? There has been some things in the past where I, I was saying California when I started uh, doing the process of funeral homes and, and working there. You know, I had situations where maybe uh, unfortunately dad killed the two kids, mom and then shot himself. And how he did it was very uh, it was very 
horrible. I mean, just pretty much son is coming. What the detective told me, put a pillow in his face. He thought he was playing around and shot him right in the head. And so these situations, I'm like, oh, how could you do that? And then what the family did, they, they got a big size casket to fit all three of them to get cremated, which I also thought was beautiful, but also painful at the same time because you had all three of them go in uh, as in family approval, family allowed it. And then um, at a funeral home corporate in California, that's what they end up honoring their loved one. This was like mm. years and years ago. But uh, that's sad to see. I had uh, two brothers that have recently passed away that uh, a week apart, not knowing, and that they're in my same care, which that never happens. It's like saying like, you know, you have brother out or you have a, I have a brother, right? And if I pass away, not knowingly, if he passed away a week later, not knowingly too, that's very strange too because you don't have siblings that were born together and then pass away together. Um, a lot of murders though. I do get murders too. I get three brothers, four brothers that die every year. And my mom, I'm, I talked to mom and said, you only have one more son. Like you need to make sure he's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it's tough. It's tough, the stories you hear. How was it during COVID and stuff? Because you've been around, you've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Um, Actually, some people say that COVID right now, like this week, people are starting getting COVID in general. Like, how do you feel things are right now in the world in regards to COVID? I haven't. People say it's a common flu these days. Like, I, my wife, you know, was a yeah. pharmacist, and she's like, these days everyone's testing, so it's like a common flu. I think it's a common flu now, 100%. Mm -hmm. I, haven't got, I haven't done one death certificate that says COVID in the year I've been open. Um, You've never had one yet? You've no, never. No, no, at least for this new location. When COVID happened... Um, I would just say all funeral industry was, was looking to refrigerate people because our refrigerations just got overly packed. So luckily there was a company that had bungalows that had refrigeration. So a lot of funeral homes rented out bungalows to do uh, to keep the overflow of mm -hmm. people that passed away. Um, I want to say that was the busiest, busiest years, uh, you know, year or two of COVID um, because everybody in the industry was busy. Like nobody helped anybody because we all were like, we can't, we just have too many people passing away. What do you do with that? Like, like I'll give you an example, your place that you have right now, the new yeah. place. Like how many bodies could you actually hold right now? I could hold about 50. 50 right bodies. Now, 50 bodies, yeah. So after 50, like what do you do? You have to start calling all the people, hey, you got room? Um, so funeral homes, what they do sometimes is subcontract other funeral homes to refrigerate, uh, which is allowed. Okay. Um, and then they'll take, you know, we'll just use them for refrigeration. Um, usually if you get to that point, it means there's a crisis going on, to be honest. Um, it should never get to a point because as some come in, some go out. Okay. You know, it has a flow of things. You know, we do cremations, so some direct, they don't need services. Some are for services. We ship out a lot of bodies to different countries and, and, and states here in Vegas. Like, we do that a lot. And then we also do burials. So it's a combination of all. You should never be, like, overflow. I think you should just have a, a good system that works, protocol and procedure, to kind of get everything flowing out easily. But, um, yeah, as, as in that, I think uh, we got that nailed down. But if in case we will call other funeral okay. homes, could you hold so-and-so um we're booked and, and they will call us too so what do you think uh, like with maui right now with all these fires the fires that took place i think they were saying over like 100 bodies mm -hmm. and they were saying there's like 1100 people missing so how do you think like a small island like that in maui is handling you know what i, I want to say they usually look the coroner's office over there will usually look for the biggest you know home there um mm -hmm. which i want to say corporate is there corporate america is there um, they will contact them who, who has the more manpower. 
who has the more vehicles, who has the more refrigeration space. They will work also with other funeral homes if there isn't one big enough to say, okay, we need you to hold X amount, X amount, X amount. So everyone starts working together. Yeah. So everybody definitely working together on it because I don't, unless there's one location that could fit 200 bodies, mm -hmm. then that'll be the case. Um, but in like even here in Vegas, you know, Corners doesn't have a refrigeration place. They have to subcontract a funeral home to keep their uh, their mm -hmm. their loved ones at, uh, which I think they need one already. Uh, California has it. They have a big refrigeration, and then they have bungalows too, of unfortunately deceased people. But as our city is growing, I think the corners need to invest into refrigeration because it's part of I feel like their duty to do so. Hmm. I was just thinking also with COVID. So when you guys had COVID going on, how crazy was it for you guys? Because you you only been doing it for how long now? You said a year. A year. So yeah. Previously, with your experience, I mean, how crazy was it with COVID? Um, like bodies coming like left and right. Like yeah, you. I mean, it was not even that we couldn't even sit with family, so we had to like zoom them, and then we had to. Oh, you couldn't sit, right? You had yeah. To we the the funeral board, like we were we were in a funny situation where it was like everybody can't go out or couldn't do something mm -hmm. or uh, social distancing, but. Unfortunately, their loved one passed away, so we had to talk to them. So we had to do some stuff Zoom-wise, uh, electronically, DocuSign, and then notarize through like f FaceTime and stuff like that. So and then we had to do special uh, glass and you know like the counters have when the restaurants came out with all those like glass mm -hmm. specials, whatnot. And even for the casket itself, if you had passed away in COVID, they wanted you to cover the casket. In the body so people could never even touch their loved one they had to see it through a glass um even when we ship out um people to different countries you know the consulates were asked like letter of non-contagious which they always do but if it's COVID, they had to get cremated there were some countries that said if it's COVID, even if you want a we full body, a body to go mm -hmm. we won't set up a body we'll set your cremation what advice can you give to the people that listen and watch in regards to if a loved one passes away what advice can you give them? Of course, we can tell them to contact you. Mm. But what would you say? I know like on your cards is burial, cremation, ship outs. What kind of advice can you give to somebody that has a loved one that passes away? Um, you, you know, too, I, I, I just... I just do it for so long, you know? Yeah, you know what? I tell people, ask questions. See if the funeral home is willing to help and work with you guys. Because I think, you know, I, a lot of funeral industry or funeral corporate, whatever you want to call it, it's very transactional. They're very cold. It's about... Sometimes I'm like, family, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to, to say, hey, could we do this? Could we do that? Do we have to buy flowers from you guys? Or could I buy it from a flower shop? Yes, you can. Um, do I have to, you know, a big thing in funeral industry is caskets, right? Mm -hmm. So I told my families, I'm like, you know, you could buy a casket from Costco. Like you could okay. buy, yeah, you could, you could buy a casket from Amazon. Funeral homes don't want to tell you that, but I'd rather educate my families. And yeah, but how does it work? Can I come to your place? And bring that, it. And bring it? Yeah, yeah. you can. And so it's much more, it's cheaper? It's, uh, I want to say it's more economical. But what Costco I... Costco sells that? I didn't even know that. Yeah, brother. They sell costs. They, they have a huge inventory. I tell families, what I end up doing is I price match. So I say, hey, you bring me, you print it out, I will price match that 100%. Or I'll get something very similar. But in the funeral industry, they're not going to say that. And I just rather be transparent, be open yeah, to my community. Because nice. even if you're honest... People, How would people it, even know that Costco even sells that? Uh, they don't promote it for sure, but it's something. So our manufacturers that are out here that does specifically caskets, okay. you know, they they say, hey, casket uh, Costco came out with a casket unit. They're big enough to do it, um, and they would deliver and ship it to the funeral home. Um, you just how kinda, inexpensive is a casket through Costco? 
You're talking about I seen in 900 bucks. Good. Yeah, and and maybe and, we should stock up. Yeah, <laughs> they, sure they're doing the book. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I just think when I educate, is it, the is it worth it? Can I buy them at nine hundred, like sell back on Amazon for like fourteen hundred? You could probably do it on eBay, I think. But yes, I want to say it's possible. I haven't I done it. You know, it's more like a business right now. <laughs> but um, you know, because it's, you know, I just tell families like educate, you know, call around. Mm-hmm. If a funeral home picks up your loved one, you're mm-hmm. not obligated by law to stay with them. Don't feel mm-hmm. pressure to sign any document or give any deposit because it'll be so hard to get that deposit back. Mm-hmm. So I told my families, not even with me. When families come and say, I tell them, you're not obligated to stay with me. I'm going to give you information. Your loved one's in our care. I'm not going to charge you if you choose somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But other funeral homes sometimes charge, which they can. But I said, don't worry. They can't hold a body for ransom. So they, if, you, if they want to charge you, let them charge you. But they can't hold your loved one and say you have to pay them. They have to release them by law. Nancy, I'm just curious because I do business development. I do a lot of marketing and stuff like that too. When you you mentioned the hospitals, I was just thinking of you like going to these places. Is there like a lot of competition with the funeral homes where like when you come in like, oh, look, there's another funeral home coming in to try to like get our bodies here? Honestly, no. I feel like they connect with him right away, but I think because he's genuine. He doesn't do it salesy or anything mm-hmm. like that. And I mean, that's why I like working hand in hand with him because I feel like by observing, I learn a lot like through the whole funeral industry and stuff. And it's, I mean, honestly, I think we just get a connection right away with them. Well, you do, you bring, do you bring like, you know, a lot of the, uh, in the personal injury world, they, they always bring in like cookies and they bring in like fruit baskets. Like they always bring in things because they want to get to the case managers that work at the firm I want, to get referrals. I, I want to you guys say, bring stuff? I want to say, you know what? I haven't, to be honest, I should. I'm not going to lie. I probably should because I'm always grateful and thankful. But how I do it is, you know, I connect with people. You know, you Got probably it. have people's numbers. You probably text them like, hey, we're sponsoring this event. We'll love to invite you. You know, hey, uh, you know, we're having a dinner. Da, da, da. We'll love to kind of bring you out. And a lot of them, it's not transactional. It's just very relationships like. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think there's a lot of funeral homes that are getting comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they're going to call us anyways. It's like, yeah, yeah you know what? And, and we see some of their flyers, but when they don't connect with that person, right? yeah, they're just okay. like, it's just a flyer. You know, it's interesting. When the funeral home that I went to that day, mm-hmm. I looked at the business cards. I was like, oh, let me just take some business cards. Mm-hmm. There was like 50 business cards of different people that were working there. Like they almost yeah. were all sales reps. Why <laughs> are there so many corporate. business cards? It, uh, it must be corporate. I mean, yeah. um, I will say. It was like 50. <clears throat> I was like taking the I think I'll take a few cards just to. Yeah. God, if something happens, there's like 50 cards, 50 yeah. different names. I think, no, it's just right here. We're just like one. This is the general one. And then okay. I have my own <clears throat> or okay. an office manager. Um, but we, you know, it just depends everybody's role. Like there's a funeral ranger, funeral host, funeral director, funeral mm-hmm. embalmer, uh, your president, your vice president. You know, um, there's so many different titles or funeral hostess. I know mm-hmm. Nancy has done a lot of hosting of services because those mm-hmm. could be challenging too. When you open a service, when you close a service, how you do it, how do you conduct the family, and how do you say your final goodbye when, you yeah. know, it's like the time is near and you have to say, you have to say goodbye to somebody. And it's like coordinating all that and making sure everything runs smoothly. But when it comes to business card, I, I'm only assuming because they're a big corporate company. That's the reason why they have many. But when you have locals, they should maybe have a few, but not maybe marketing director, funeral ranger, okay. and, and, and bomber. What, you know. um, Nancy, what would you, any, any unusual stories that you want to share that just being in this line of work, that unusual stories that you'd want to share about anything in regards no to names, No names, though. No names. No, just anything unusual, any unusual stories since, I mean, it's rare for me to basically have someone like you guys here to talk about it, but any unusual stories that you could share that were like, 
Any I of those families that we met. You know we met with families. Yeah. I mean, no, honestly, not unusual, but it's more of, like I said, the touching. Like it's, Got it. Yeah, it's just what more Any crazy people, they, they jump on the... We just had a crazy one where no names. Uh, <laughs> no names. Yeah, I don't know how much of one just I say. Just hypothetical. But yeah. Hypothetical. Like, yeah, what's, a lot of drama. Like, drama with like the family. You'll think that what is this Jerry Springer? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so people, families that you know don't get yeah. along. Maybe they didn't like the baby mama, or maybe yeah. they didn't like the girl or guy he or she was. So they with. Stole, they stole the picture of the person that passed away. Yeah. And, they stole the picture. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, "Where's the picture? Where's the picture? We can't find the picture." Turns out. So-and-so Somebody, took it. yeah, and it took was photo. just, yeah. It, what about people trying to get into the actual casket? No, no. I, I touch the know, body, hug the body. They could, the they body. could, they could kiss the body. They could hug yeah. the body. Um, nothing inappropriate, you know. Um, you know, I think we we set a boundary and a standard. Like, hey, you know, we're here. We're always attending the family. Uh, I know stories of my dad and stuff like that. I know my dad also cremated Ben Hur back in the day. Uh, my dad's done a lot of like, I'll say, bewitch a local celebrity or iconic celebrity or whatnot um but um as in like story stories i know my dad worked at a i used to go there there was a funeral home that's a hundred years old you go three stories down there's no windows it's concrete wall you turn off the lights you can't see nothing even when your eyes are open they had six chambers my dad had cremated a 900 pound uh, person took about 15 hours to cremate that person we had to take 10 people down to bring that person down uh guy was heavy um, at the end of the day, it took a while because when you control your temperature of a crematory, you have to be there monitoring it. Also, that fire and that smoke that goes up mm -hmm. in the air is bad for the pollution. So you need to have a wise crematory operator because they could also pollute the air if mm -hmm. they don't know what they're doing or if they put the body in, say, feet first and it's an obese case. What's going to happen is going to build that smoke. That temperature is going to rise up to 2,000 and above. Mm -hmm. And then you see black smoke. You see fire department, everything. And then what happens, you'll see... Unfortunately, you'll see things come out of the, the chamber if you don't know how to cremate oversized uh, cases. Okay. Um, you got to have knowledge, man. If, have you ever, I know um, one of my friends, we went out to an old hotel mm -hmm. that's like me that had a lot of like nostalgia and mm -hmm. they thought it was a ghost, but I felt what they called like a rod to see if there's any type of yeah. paranormal activity. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever done something like that in the funeral homes that you were at? I want to say my dad's, it was called Chapel of the Pines. It was in California mm -hmm. uh, by Loyola High School. Um, that was the most, I say, if people go there now, I think would find stuff. Because as a kid, I used to get dragged there when nobody's around. You'll see like this creepy old lady with a dog up in a dark, you know, kind of up in a dark place. Um, you'll hear noise. Um, you'll hear like stuff. My dad used to work at midnight, by the way. So the best shift to have is midnight and the cemetery is dark and nobody else is there but you. So it's, it's interesting the stuff that has happened in those things. Um, you know, there's been a, a lot of training and education when it comes to uh, cremation because people, uh, operators have passed away and died by cremating bodies. Uh, doors have malfunction and close on them while cremating and people will pass away. Uh, there was a girl, 23, 24 years old, new crematory operator, push a body in, two in. You have to stay behind door lines. Door just came down, uh, took her life. 
and then half of her body was cremated and half wasn't. This and was the girl that worked at the place? Yeah, yeah. she worked at her place. So um, she got like a, I think a $5 million settlement on it. But uh, because there, there wasn't enough signs from the, um, the business, established business. And then, um, you know, I would just say nobody was really properly training because you could see things and you could study it, mm -hmm. but you never push that body with your hands in. It's at a 1500. I mean, it's hot. It's hot. You'll literally get incinerated quick. So listen, I appreciate you guys talking about this issue in general like that. I mean, if anyone basically that I have, you know, I mean, different people who pass away and stuff like that, that, um, um, they need some help. I definitely would recommend you guys. I appreciate it. I know it. you guys, you know, are big probably with the culture with the Spanish community, but of course, we do everyone. everybody in general. We have like done that. Jewish families too. So I know okay. their culture is kind of wood caskets, uh, no metal, you know, kind of overnight kind of services, no embalming. Yeah, yeah, and quickly as possible too. So uh, Attorney Dad Funeral Home, basically it's located at 4305 North Rancho. Phone number 702-744-4400. And then again, I guess whatever you guys can do to help in the future. I'll yeah. kind of include you in the Problem Solver Network. Like I said, people call me all the time for different things. Honestly, if I would know, would have known you in the past, yeah. I would have called you for um, for that person that uh, the hit and run key. So I'm glad to know you guys in general. I appreciate you sharing some of the stories because, like I said, definitely unusual stories in general. So, um, but I appreciate you guys' time. No, thank you for thank your time. You. I appreciate it. And uh, like I said, I'm I'm open. I'm part of the community like you are. So if I could help, I will help. If mm -hmm. I could be there for a family, they'll meet with me. I'll sit down with them. And when you call me or text me and say, Kenneth, somebody needs help, I will go to their home and say, how could we help you? 100%. Got it. All right, brother. Okay, I appreciate you guys' time again. We have uh, Kenneth Ceballos, which is the founder, again, Latin attorney dad, and then Nancy Valero, who's the vice president of operations. So I appreciate you guys both Thank coming you. on the show. If I can do anything to help out in the community, especially with anybody that's out there, uh, that's listening or watching for the problem solver we can help out if these guys can help out in general if you have a loved one that basically just needs some direction or if you even need help with the burial cremation um, please get with Kenneth and Nancy so that they can help you out so again appreciate you guys time in general um, if anyone needs myself as a problem solver again network of, of different people like this that are helping people in the community going above and beyond so again I'm David Colmeyer the problem solver you can go to the problem solver.vegas or 702-999 1111 again 702 999 1111. I'm David Colmeyer, the problem solver. Be careful, be safe. We'll see you next week.